you have a question about your home? Call Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is a Class A licensed contractor who has designed and built multi-million dollar commercial and industrial projects and single family homes up and down the East Coast. And now, Ken the Contractor brings his years of experience to the radio. Square footage, meaning when you buy a home, you got 3,000 square feet, you got 1,000 square feet, whatever. That is the most expensive space we buy. Cubic feet, that's where we start to use our vertical space, is some of the least expensive that we have. Yet, that's probably one of the most underutilized areas in our homes. Do you have a question about your home inside or out? Call Ken the Contractor. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another hour of Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. A house is what you build, a home is what you make it, and each weekend, Ken is right here. And he'll answer the questions that are important to today's homeowner. Plus, he's here to help you with those projects you're trying to get accomplished this weekend. You can reach us anytime at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or you can post your questions at Ken's website, kenthecontractor.com. And it's not unusual right after the first of a new year, that people make resolutions. Um, the most popular one, I think, for most folks is to try to improve their physical well-being or their health or lose some weight. But around the house, Ken, for a lot of folks, they take a look around, particularly after the very busy holidays, and say, you know what, we got to straighten this place up. we got to take advantage of the livable space that we have in our house. And that usually means you've got to organize some things. And I know some folks get freaked out by the thought, but... Maybe even get rid of a little bit of stuff. Yeah, and that's where it's difficult for most of us, and that's parting with things. Even though it would be an item that we probably haven't seen in two or three years, maybe longer. But as I said in the show opening, our cubic space is the cheapest space in our house, and most of us forget about that. And you're right, New Year's resolutions include a lot of things, and for some of us out there, it's to declutter. How do I use what I have? One of the, if there's anything good regarding our economic situation worldwide in the sense of just things being slow, people not buying houses at the pace that they used to, maybe not even remodeling at the pace that they used to, although all of that is coming back, but it's caused us to take a hard look at what we have and how we live in the homes that we do have. And the trends in the last two or three years have been somewhat impressive when we look at people trying to simplify their homes, and this is based on some national surveys, talk about simplifying and simply gaining control of your space. How can I enjoy what I have? I've talked about various remodel items that have taken place, facelifts within our homes over the last number of shows where people are remodeling kitchens, changing light fixtures, redoing carpet, just some items that make us feel better about our home. But let's talk about how we live in that house in terms of making the same space larger. For so many of you out there with garages, I venture to say I know so many people that the garage is about storage and it's not about the car. And yet you may have bought the house saying, you know, it's great because it's got a garage and in the winter months I'm out of the snow. I can get in and out. I can unload my groceries and not be in the rainstorm. But today you're parked outside unloading the groceries in the rain or the snow. And that's because our garages tend to be a collection area from bicycles and lawnmowers to maybe boxes of old clothes, games, TV sets, things that we simply are not using. And the organizational systems that have hit the market in the last five to seven years are phenomenal 
for garages alone to use that vertical space, and in some cases to actually use your ceiling space. Some of you have garages with ceilings that could be not just the 8 feet, but maybe 9, 10, even 12 feet, depending on its relationship to the finished floor of your house. And it's that cubic space overhead that many of these storage systems are allowing us to put Christmas items, boxes, things, file boxes, things we rarely use. The only thing I want to caution you about is you need to be certain that if you're hoisting things up there that they're not, even though you may have a system that will handle it, that it's not too heavy for your truss design. Anyway, let's think a little bit about storage. Vertical spaces, not just the old-style pegboard. That's still on the market. But there are all kinds of systems that are out there that allow you to go vertical. There are systems that allow you to have doors that give you the flexibility of moving cabinets around so that you may have workspace as well as storage within your garage. If you've got a utility room and everything's laid out on the floor, consider these storage spaces for that. Now, one of the other items or areas that I promise you is no one pays much attention to would be the closets in our bedrooms. Maybe you have a linen closet or even a pantry in your home. When those houses were built, if the, in the average house, I would say, probably has a single hang, uh, rod in a bedroom closet and a single shelf. Some of you may have a little more than that. But the systems today that are on the market, and they're very affordable and they're do-it-yourself. You don't have to go out here and hire a pro unless you want to. But these systems that are do-it-yourself and affordable will more than double, in some cases triple or more than that, your storage space within your closet. If you've got a walk-in or even one that you're opening a pair of bifolds, look at double hang, look at storage for box items, look at storage for shoes. Again, if you're not into wire shelving, which has been around and somewhat perfected for a long time, there are all types of other shelving out there that leaves you some flexibility. For those of you with a uh, an infant at home, a new child, first, second, third, it doesn't really matter, and you're looking at how is this child going to grow into this room, think about that closet and think about the flexibility of some of the storage items that are there for what they need now, what they may need as a toddler, what they may need as they age and get into school, all of those items. You're not having to reconstruct this. You're simply adding components or you're moving and adjusting. So think again about your storage space, how you live. You will find that you can get the clutter off the floor. You can get it off the tables, out from under the table, off the garage floor, and you can reclaim your house. That is a movement that we've really seen nationwide over the last year or so. When it comes to your kitchen, there are roll-out shelves, slide-out shelves, and organizational devices that fit your existing cabinets that in some cases will double your storage area by giving you tiers where right now you can only store a single level in that cabinet. So the sky is the limit. Go to your local retailer, your big box store, your hardware store, or you can also find some professionals throughout our listing area that will come in and do shelving, rods, kitchen rollouts for you. If you happen to be at a point in your life where maybe you have some physical disabilities, you have a little little difficulty reaching right now, many of these items are so user-friendly. They're designed uh, to make your home more accessible, more user-friendly, and to help us deal with some of the uh, issues that we deal with as we age and yet we want to stay in our home. So don't plan on moving. Plan on thinking about how you can reclaim your house, how you can use everything from kitchen cabinets, pantry, garage, utility room, laundry room more efficiently and more effectively. And lastly, I want to mention, if you are remodeling, if you are building an addition on, or if you're building a new home, think about your attic space. If when the trusses are designed, you've made your builder aware that you want to have some light attic storage, 
The trust company will design that trust to support a nominal load, which will allow you to put seasonal items up there and use that space that you're paying for. It's very, very limited. I mean, the the cost is minuscule compared to the price of a home or an addition. You probably wouldn't know it if they didn't tell you about it. But yet you gain storage space, and the bottom cord and the trusses will be designed to support a nominal load. You know, I was in New York City a couple of weeks ago, and it's interesting. I was talking with someone who grew up there, and one of the differences that you immediately see between big cities and rural areas is not only in the rural areas oftentimes the land flat, but the buildings are. And the expansion usually goes out, whereas when you get into urban areas, it goes up. It's all vertical. because And, and I think people sometimes fail to remember what you were talking about, and that is the use of that vertical space if it's properly properly secured to be able to do that. We might talk about that on, on an upcoming show, because I remember somebody uh, near me, when they decided to add on instead of going out, they went up. They go up. Makes a lot of difference, it, and there are times that it's practical. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. You can reach him at 800-614-2975. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back to Ken the Contractor. If you have a question for Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor, you can reach us at 800-614-2975. Do you have a question about your home inside or out? You can join us. Again, our contact number is 800-614-2975. And also, you can post your questions online at Ken's website, KenTheContractor.com. Don't forget, you can friend Ken on Facebook at Ken the Contractor and also follow him on Twitter at Ken Answers. We're going to go back to the phones right now. Uh, the number to dial in 800-614-2975. That's the number Will dialed. He joins us right now. Hi, Will. You're on the air with Ken the Contractor. Okay, I just got a question um, about a uh, roof. We have an addition on our house, and we've had the house for a year, and um, when we got it inspected to buy it, the inspector said we have like nine years on the shingles. So my question is that we just have a little leak over our dining room table. Is it possible for just part of the roof to be kind of peeled off and re-shingled only about a 10-foot section and blended in with the other roof rather than having to do the whole roof again? Yes, it is. The roof is not... uh, It's not an area, though, that you're going to find that it can be repaired without you noticing it. The fact that he's saying you have about nine years of useful life in those shingles tells me that it's been up there probably 15 to 20 years, something along those lines. Mm -hmm. And if you happen to have some shingles from the original installation, even those would not be an identical match because of the years of wear and air pollution and, and those type items. But if the shingle is one that you can match fairly close, and the leak is caused by damage to the shingle, then I would encourage you to do that. It's certainly going to cost you a lot less money than re-roofing the entire home and then knowing that over a period of maybe the next five to nine years, uh, as time permits and budget permits, that you're going to look at re-roofing the whole thing then. Right. Now, I, I do want to ask a couple of questions. Do you know for a fact that the leak is caused by a damage in a shingle or shingle area, or could it be flashing, a vent ridge, a valley flashing, or perhaps around a roof penetration such as a vent stack? 
Well, I've actually um, went up on the roof and um, put the tar around all those sections and actually got up on the roof with the uh, water hose, and we found out where the we have a certain location where the leak is, and I tried to patch it myself, but I'm just really not seem to have any luck. And I know that a board, at least one or two boards, uh, pieces of plywood might need to be replaced because you can tell when you walk on it. Ah, okay. I, I know none of the trussles are damaged or anything because we can, you know, see up in there. But um, have you been into the attic space to see how much water has come in to see the the black marks and the staining on the plywood on? Um, no, we haven't. It's actually, it's the um, it's not even an attic area because it's like an addition. So it's you only have about two feet of you know you have your insulation, and then your ceiling insulation, and there's the roof, and it's only like about a foot, two foot tall. Okay, so is this uh, likely to be a result of the addition? You think? Yeah. Okay. Well, clearly you can do what you want to do in terms of the shingles. You can pull a segment off, whether you're replacing a square, which is 100 square feet. You're just replacing a bundle. But what you want to do is cover enough of the area that you know you've resolved the leak problem. And I have to commend you. You've done what I've recommended people do for so many years, and that is get up on the roof if you're capable. I don't encourage everybody to get on the roof, but take a water hose up there and start low because the water, obviously, if it's if it's leaking high, you've got to go up so far before that water will show up. But even doing that, you have a hard time isolating the exact shingle, and that's what I've heard you express, is you know the general area, mm-hmm. and you know you can make it leak, but you can't find the exact shingle. And typically when I have discovered roof leaks in that fashion on older roofs, it's water getting in through a crack in a shingle, and then it may be running down one shingle or more and getting into the nail that's covered by the uh, the tab over the top of it. Mm-hmm. And those are extremely difficult to find. But I think you're on the right track. If you want to pick up a bundle of shingles, two or three bundles, three bundles will be a square, 100 square feet, and replace those. And you should be good to go for a while. But the main thing is you want to address it so you don't continue to have the rot and other damage issues and have it get into your structure. And, of course, if you need to pull off more to replace the plywood underneath that, now's the time to do it. Right. Now, I was actually thinking about hiring a contractor to do it, but I was wondering if, because I'm, you know, I can do some things, but uh, I'm not really too inclined to do a whole bunch. But um, Well, it's always good to know our limits. Right. And uh, I, I encourage folks to, to do just that. I know mine on certain things, and some days it's just right to go hire a professional. There are plenty of good shingle roofing contractors in most every market, but I encourage you to do a couple of things. One, to acquire at least three bids because you're going to find they'll run the gamut. But you want to be sure first that you're establishing a scope of work. You're telling them, for bid purposes, I want you to plan on replacing, let's say, 100 square feet of shingle area and and two sheets of plywood if that's what you think is damaged. Right. If you do that, then you're giving all of your bidders the same scope of work. You're not going to come back with somebody saying, oh, I'm going to replace 500 square feet, somebody else replacing 100. You'll have a hard time evaluating that. Right. And once you have a base spec established, then you're saying, now I want a price per square to go beyond that. And that's how shingles are sold and roofers put them down is price per square. And a square is 100 square feet. Okay, 100 square feet. Right. And then you want to ask them for a price per sheet to remove and replace damaged or rotted plywood. Okay. But what you've done then is you've established a, a level playing field for at least three roofers to say, I'm going to give you my base bid based on these guidelines that you've established, mm-hmm. and then here's my cost if the work goes beyond this. This is what I'm going to charge you. 
That's but, great. I'm, I'm glad I talked to you. Well, I'm glad you called because if you go beyond that, it's a blank check, and you could have a $300 item that becomes $1,500, and I don't want to see anybody right. in that situation. I was, I was thinking about that, too. I was yeah. like, I don't want somebody to say, okay, sad to say, you know, you well, definitely got to watch your back sometimes. You do, and but this is how the pros handle it. I've yeah. done this for a long time, and this okay. is how you need to be dealing with it. Again, it gives you a baseline, and then it gives you an ad for each of these items that go beyond that so that up front, you got a pretty good idea of where you're headed. Also, you want to be sure of the people you're getting bids from that you have references. And okay. whoever you finally select, you want to be certain that you have a certificate of insurance from them for their workman's comp and their general liability insurance. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Ken. We appreciate you listening. Thanks for your call. All right, thank you. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Don't forget, if you do have a question for Ken, you can reach him at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or also post your questions, both written questions and also voicemail questions at KenTheContractor.com. And I do have to remind everybody, uh, as I do from time to time, buy American-made products where you can. And it's really that simple for me to say. What I want to tell you is that I've paid a lot of attention over the last several months. And one of the things that I've noticed, at least with products that are involved in the construction industry, that manufacturers are starting to get the message that many of us out there are willing to invest in American-made products. You're finding an American flag and the words made in America in very prominent locations on everything from, as we were just talking, shingles to drywall compound and so many other items. It's not just the labels that we look at on the, the gondola or the counter where the product is displayed that may or may not be there, but they're actually printing it on the cover, on these bags, on these boxes. I think they're paying a little bit of attention to the fact that if we're spending our dollars in this country, we're putting people back to work, and that is great for all of us. So buy American-made products every time you get a chance. Well, we see the other trend that you folks in the marketplace have done, and that's the organic or green movement in a lot of different areas. The reason that a lot of folks are responding is because you, the consumer, is asking for it. They listen to us. They really do. You may not think it today or tomorrow, but track it over a period of several months. People will pay attention. They're going to give us what we're looking for. Back with more right after this. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. You're listening to Ken the Contractor each weekend at this time. Ken is here taking your calls at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. And also answers your questions online at KenTheContractor.com. And we bring some of the more interesting emails that are applicable for our entire listening audience each week. Ken's got a couple of those. I've got one that is so simple, but yet the answer can be rather involved. This comes from Cynthia in Virginia. What are the pluses and minuses of skylights? question doesn't get any easier than that. Let's talk a little bit about skylights and the type of lights that are out there. First off, for many of you that have called me in in recent months and and, uh, gone through the website, you're asking about skylights for a porch. You're going to take a deck area, you're going to put a roof over it, and maybe convert that into a three-season room with some sliding panels. But let's, let's stay with the skylights. Those skylights do not need to be insulated, and typically in that case, you're not going to have a light shaft, meaning you're not worried about penetrating and insulating the areas from the roof structure where the shingles are down to a ceiling level. Most of these will be exposed trusses. So the skylight that you'd use in that application is going to be an uninsulated panel. 
still going to have a roof curb with it. It certainly should have a roof curb, and uh, it's very easy to install, and there's no maintenance. It's not operable. You're not looking for an operable unit in that case. You just want to bring some natural light into that now porch area. So skylights run the gamut from very simple plastic domes that mount in the shingles all the way to those that are quite complex with electrically controlled opening devices for ventilation purposes, also those where you can shade uh, electrically the light so that you can tone it down if it's too bright coming in, and you can essentially take your clicker and change that as well as open and close that. And in sizes, they run the gamut as well. Some things you need to know on the plus and minus side about skylights. One, like so many products, you need to think about how you're going to use it and what you're trying to achieve. Is it ventilation or is it light only? And in either case, do your homework, take competitive bids, look at what's available in the marketplace. Secondly, what type of roof is it going in? Is it going in a shingle roof, a flat roof, a, a rubber-type membrane roofing? Is it going in a tile roof? Because the roof curbs that come with these are not all compatible with different types of roofing materials. So that's going to be key. Secondly, will the skylights fit with my existing, if you have it, you're trying to retrofit and install these now after the fact, will it fit with my existing truss design? Most trusses are at most 24 inches on center, some a little closer together. For the skylight to function properly, it, you need to have a shaft around that that would be insulated if you're coming from a roof down through a ceiling, and it's got to fit between your trusses. Secondly, do I have the structural design to support the skylights? So all of these are elements that come into play. It's great for you to do window shopping on these. For many of you, you may be capable and willing to go put some of these together uh, on your own in new construction or retrofit. But for a lot of these, they're quite complicated, require line voltage electric, and a lot of other things. You're going to want to hire some professionals, but do your homework, check out your pricing, determine what your needs happen to be, and then make a decision. So there are a lot of pluses and minuses. They do a good job of bringing natural light in from the outside. They can also provide ventilation, as I said. And if they're installed incorrectly, one of the real negatives, they will leak. So you want to be sure they're installed properly. And if you can't do it, that's where you want to hire a professional that's licensed and insured and will issue a written warranty. Speaking of leaks, Dot's got a problem with a leaky roof. She joins us right now. Hi, Dot. You're on the air with Ken, the contractor. Thank you for taking my call. Appreciate you calling. How can we help you today? Well, we live in an older home. We're elderly. Uh, I have a tin roof that was replaced about 20 years ago, and I think they used a lower quality tin than was on there. And now we're getting these little pinholes back in the back area where the sun doesn't hit it very often. So when ice collects there, it stays. If snow collects there, it stays. And when rain comes, we get it. Just little rain just little drops that are ruining the inside of our, our ceilings. Sure. Water is not a fun thing to be dealing with, whether it's coming through a window, a door, or especially if it's coming through your roof. Does this roof area that does not get sunlight, does it, do you have a lot of trees around it? Does it tend to collect leaves? No, not really. No, okay. we have one big tree uh, that's fairly close, but we're pretty good about taking a blower and blowing those uh, okay. gutters and the leaves off. Because in many cases, it may not apply to you, but for some of our listeners, if you don't keep these roofs fairly clean, just the acid that is in different products that will sit on that roof for a period of time can have a strong negative effect in terms of shortening the life of the roof itself. But you are right. There are different thicknesses of material. If this is a galvanized product, and I'm assuming from what you're describing that it probably was, 
there are mm-hmm. different quality levels of galvanized treatment. They're not all equal. And again, exactly. We didn't know that until we are. realized what had happened to us. So and, and we, we we trusted the contractor who has now gone out of business. Well, the the product itself, the the good news is the roof can be coated. Was it ever painted, or was this just the raw material allowed to weather? Uh, it was allowed to weather, but we've put paint on it three different times now. And last uh, summer, we got a good cover of uh, a good quality paint again after they sanded it and you know finished it good. We thought we had a good job done. But did they but actually? Now, Excuse me, did they actually repair the holes, or were they just painting over the holes? They um, they repaired. They put in a new piece of tin in one place. Okay. And then in another place, they put this rolled-out-looking aluminum or something that was tacky on the backside and laid it down on that on the roof, and uh, they painted over that. But now we're finding little uh, pinholes that, you know, this summer it was so hot, the paint bubbled up. Right. So in uh, sending one of the children up there, they've sanded it off, and that's when he discovered these little pinholes, different areas in the roof. So my question would be, is there some kind of a paint or uh, something that gives and takes with hot and cold on the backside of that house? There are several products out there, but given the problems that you've described to me, uh, this is going to be a case where I do recommend that a professional roofer come out and make an inspection on this roof. And you're not able to get up there from what you describe, but I would, no. ha- I would have them photograph what they're finding so that you can see for yourself the issues on that roof. And they would need to make proper repairs and or put a coating, not just a paint up there, but a coating that will resolve this problem. There are numerous products that will expand and contract based on temperature as you go from winter to summer. And these metal panels do a lot of moving. This is a standing seam roof. It was crimped where the yes. panels were joined together. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. Well, someone that specializes in that, there are several companies in your listing area that do so, and you can get two or three people out to give you an inspection, listen to the reports, uh, you know, look at their reports, look at the pictures that are there, and make an informed decision. I'll be happy to talk with you a little more about that once you get that information, if you'd like to know which way to go, how to proceed with it, or send me an email at kenthecontractor.com. But this is a job for a professional right now. Well, you see, we thought we had a professional last year when they came and took a section out. We, and he said everything's fine, but in finding these little pinholes, we called him back, and he never came back. So, you know, that, I don't know where to go from here. What that I, is so to, I'm think, that, I'm that tells what? me that really was not a professional, and you need somebody that will stand behind their work, and if they've got an issue, they're going to come back and do it again. So references will be key. I can help you through my website. Dot, thank you. You can hold the line right there. We've got to take a break. We've got more of your calls and questions coming up for Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor. The number to dial if you'd like to join us, it's 800-614-2975. Don't forget, you can reach Ken at 800-614-2975 or through his website, kenthecontractor.com. You're 
listening to Ken the Contractor. The contact number, if you'd like to talk about your home with Ken, 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. You can also reach him through his website, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year at KenTheContractor.com. We're going to Dover, Delaware right now, and Sean joins us next. Hi, Sean. You're on the air with Ken the Contractor. Hey, Ken. How are you doing? Good. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks. How can I help you? Well, I uh, just moved out of a condo, and uh, the day I was moving out, I saw some water around the toilet base and pulled it up. I thought the wax seal had just deteriorated, but it turned out I have a broken flange. It's a PVC flange, and the the T-bolt wouldn't hold it anymore. And since it's a condo, I don't have access to, you know, the U-bend. I don't know how easy it is to switch it out. Is there an easy way to fix it, or is is it just going to be something hard I need a plumber to do? Is it broken on just one side where the the bolt that holds the plumbing fixture in place secures, or is it bro- the whole floor flange is broken and separated from the waistline? The It's not broken and separated from the waistline. It's just the rim that holds in one of the T-bolts. Okay, so the side of it is broken out. Yes. Okay, there are repair kits made for those, and that would be a simple and easy solution because it's going to be quite cumbersome, especially in a condo where you're accessing plumbing from below, disturbing neighbors and so forth. This is still something, unless you're skilled at plumbing, and I advise everybody of this, that plumbing, as Jim and I talk about from time to time, is one of those things that always seems easy and simple, but you never have the right tools, you don't have the right parts, you spend all day going back and forth to the hardware store. This is one of those items that for most everybody, I would recommend just call a plumber out, tell them what the issue is up front. No doubt they carry this particular repair device on their truck. This is not an uncommon issue. And in less time than you could make the trip back and forth two or three times to your local hardware store, they will be out and have it fixed. Just don't call them on a holiday and don't call them after hours where you're paying double time. Okay, yeah, that sounds much more convenient than my self-repair ideas. But, again, this is something for those that have time, and it's not a real issue that's that's available out there. And if you want to dabble at it, I don't discourage you to do it. But, again, it's one of those things that will always take longer than what you anticipate because for a plumber, it's a quick, simple fix. All right, thank you very much. I'll, I'll, I think I'll go that route. Appreciate your help, Ken. Uh, we appreciate your call, and thanks for calling from Dover. Thank you. Appreciate right. your call. Number is 800-614-2975, 800-614-2975. You can also post your questions online at Ken's website, KenTheContractor.com. Got one that many of you may be thinking about this year. This comes to us from uh, Samantha in Virginia. It says, I've heard conflicting advice on a certain question and would like to know what my opinion is, and that's exactly what I'll give you. said, we have an old two-story home we want to put on the market this year. It's in nice shape. It still has the original floor plan downstairs with a formal dining room in between the living room and kitchen. And I've heard that in today's market, a bigger living room would be more appealing than having a dining room. The partition separating the two rooms is not a supporting wall, so she's done her homework. Do you think it would be worth it to remove the partition and redecorate that whole section in one big living area, would that, you know, would the gain outweigh the cost? And would this help us sell our home? Well, Samantha, that's a great question. There are people out there that will stage homes for sale. There are certain things that not only do I, but others encourage homeowners to do. If you're in an older home or one that deserves a little maintenance, you want to take care of certainly the cosmetic items. If you need to repaint, 
If the flooring has just worn all the way through and it looks hideous, you certainly want to think about changing that so that your home has a little more curb appeal. But when it comes to knocking out walls and doing big either structural, even non-structural items, and you say this is non-structural, I'm not one to encourage you to do that because, first off, we need to recognize there is a buyer for every piece of property on the marketplace. I've been doing this for a long time, and that's one thing I always acknowledge, and I realize regardless of what I'm building or what I'm selling, there is a buyer for absolutely everything in the market. Your challenge is to find the right buyer for that particular property, and that's what selling and buying is all about. That's why we spend a lot of time when we're a buyer looking over so many different homes and different properties that are available to find what suits our taste and our needs. So for that reason, I would not encourage you and really don't support going in and knocking out walls if it's simply to sell the house. Now, if you're going to live there and you're going to enjoy that space for an extended period of time, then by all means, I encourage you to do that. But if it's simply for sales, I would look at the quick, easy, and affordable cosmetic things that offer as much curb appeal as possible. One, and first and foremost, all realtors will tell you, get rid of the clutter. Get things off the wall, get things off the floor, let people see the furniture, and if you have an excess amount of furniture, get rid of some of the furniture. Secondly, look at the cosmetics. Paint's always a big item. Do the walls look fresh? Are the colors something that is perhaps current? Or do we still have harvest gold and avocado green on our our floor covering? Do we still have shag carpet, the things that are just not in today? Things that you can easily deal with. Try and take the time and spend a little money to get rid of those. Again, think about the fact that you are competing with new and newer homes on the marketplace, but don't go spending a bunch of money knocking out walls and remodeling just to sell the house. You know, one thing that's interesting, and as a kid, we moved a lot with my dad's job. Uh, and learn some of the little tricks of the trade. But one of the most important ones that people I don't think have a true appreciation for, but I know you would because you've dealt with purchasing property and selling property for years, before you go knocking these walls out, accentuate the positive. What's that old song? And take what is a viable thing, a sellable piece of that property, and make sure that people know about it. Uh, because in this day and age, the one thing that we know is, there's a lot of properties. The, if you're going into most communities, some more than others, you can be going into some places like Florida, Vegas, other areas, and there are just tons and tons of property. So that means they're all going to be listed in a certain way, and probably a lot of them are going to be four-bedroom, two-and-a-half bath, and something else, and you're going to skip down. But what's the one that gets you to stop when you're scrolling through those lists? Something that has something different. It's going to be something that keys you to that, that it's been, there's been a facelift. It's, it's been, I'll use a general term, it's been refreshed. It's not dated, if you will. But if everything else is equal, where are they going to? They're going to the place that was newly painted, new kitchen cabinets. How about new floor covering? These are not always major items. Now, cabinets can set you back quite a bit, but painting and floor covering, even some light fixtures, to change out a dated light fixture and put one in that costs you 25 or $30 can do wonders to change the way that room looks. Maybe adding a little bit of chair rail in a room, some wall moldings that cost pennies per lineal foot out there. These are very little things, but they go a long way to making your place look different from the one next door or on a block over. Right. Well, and the, the other one that you mentioned, and there are more and more of these services that will come in and evaluate your home and tell you, this has got to go, you should do this, you should do that. Uh, and in many cases, I would think their services are far less expensive than some type of major remodeling project. Well, there are companies all over the country that do that today in terms of staging and advice, but I'll tell you where you get your best advice from initially, and it's free right up front. 
If you're getting ready to sell, work out your contract agreement with a realtor that, one, is aggressive, but, two, and equally important, knows the marketplace, and they're not bashful. They're going to come in and look at your home as if they were a buyer and tell you, get rid of this, move this, you need to do that. They know how to sell property. They know how to bring the buyers in and make the deal. And if you're not willing to listen to your realtor as a professional, then you're not very excited about selling your home, and you're not paying them until they make a sale. And that may mean that that mustard paint in your daughter's room has to go. You want to think a little bit about that. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. You can reach him anytime at 1-800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. You're listening to Ken the Contractor.